Welcome to the Notion Podcast. This is Reimagining. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm back with Stephen for Reimagining. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, Paul. Beautiful day. I was about to say it's super hot. I'm working from my own office, as we all are, and it's on the last floor of my Victorian house, and it's probably 45 degrees right now because I have no air, because I need to have no background noise for this recording. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to survive this. Talking about survival, let's introduce our guest today. Who is it, Stephen? Yeah, so our second guest is Conor O'Loughlin. Conor is the founder of Glowfox. He's an ex-professional rugby player turned fitness entrepreneur. He founded Glow Fox, I think, back in 2013. He kind of merged his loves of fitness, tech, and, and business. And seven years later, Glow Fox as a platform is serving thousands of gyms, studios, and fitness franchises all over the world. And we're growing super, super fast. And then in March of this year, of course, probably every single one of their customers closed their doors. Talk about accelerated change. I miss um, my gym. Really... I miss my gym like every day, guys. It's horrible. Yeah. So, Connor, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's just jump straight in. When and how did you realize the significance of this pandemic? Yeah, the significance, I suppose, really hit me through the lens of the business. It hit me at that point in time that you mentioned with all of our customers gyms around the world just closing their doors in March and I think up until then I had a more localized lens of the view of this by having been in LA and in Ireland I thought that Ireland felt like we were perhaps overreacting and in the US perhaps overreacting but you know we actually do have a really good distribution of customers in over 60 countries so up until that point I would have said there was nothing that could cause all of our customers to close their doors everywhere in the world and then in the space of two to three weeks that happened and that's really when it hit home. How did it feel? Yeah, it's like it was it's a difficult one because you have the, the business side and the personal side. And at that time, you know, I just moved over to LA with a young family of two kids under two. Lockdown started happening and we were in a kind of a, a panic mode to get back to Ireland, to Dublin. So you know, it was a bit of a mission to get flights out of LA and to move back and deal with all the logistics that came from the personal side. And as you can imagine, the business was demanding a lot of my time. We were just closing off around. Things were very uncertain. And everyone was wanted more and more of your time for clarity and assurances. So balancing the two was really difficult. Um, and when you stopped to think about it, it was overwhelming. But uh, thankfully, didn't really get much of a chance to stop to think. <laughs> you were clearly still thinking and clearly still making a, a lot of decisions. How did that personal journey kind of unfold? Because obviously you've got a young family and you're moving back and forth. How did you balance the two? A supportive partner was probably the biggest factor in in being successful. So for us, we got into a a routine which we're in now, which works. And as has many of our team, it's very forced into remote working and forced into this blended work-life balance. You know, we've seen kind of positive aspects to that too, in terms of more family time, in terms of more relaxed um, understanding for people who have kids jumping around in the background of their calls. Like there has been kind of positives in this, but you, you just make it work. You know, I think we're an industry that's been very hard hit by this, but there's been opportunities in that as well too. And we've seen a lot of positivity in, in that industry and in, in what we're seeing in the change. And, you know, it's creating excitement for a lot of what we're building toward. 
But, you know, it's, it's hard for everybody. Everybody's going through the same crisis and they're trying the best they can to, to get that balance right between home life and, and business. It's a tough challenge. To, it's a difficult balance to strike. There's kind of three kind of aspects that I wanted to kind of dig into. One is the kind of, you know, the almost rescue mode. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then the kind of recovery and rebound. But then I wanted to get into a bit of the kind of reimagining of what you think your business will, will look like. So let's just talk about that first one, about that kind of rescue mode, because, I mean, we're sitting in the middle of kind of 50 plus companies and everybody went through that same process. How did you come to terms with the real hard-nosed impact on your business and the changes you needed to make? to ensure survival. Yeah, and um, we're, we're unfortunately one of those businesses that are getting many positive tailwinds from this pandemic. It has presented opportunities, like I mentioned, but as with most businesses, we were hard hit with a lot of forecasts of new revenue getting cut in half and worse. So we had to make quick, decisive and painful actions and we did them quite quickly and we cut costs in every corner of the business. We wound down some of our offices. We implemented company-wide pay cuts in addition to like a number of layoffs, redundancies and furloughs. You know, and I, and I came to terms with this because it's doing what had to be done. You know, the extent of how drastic the actions had to be really were a little more, more unclear given that there's just so much uncertainty involved. But we were faced with two hard truths and they were firstly, we, we don't know exactly when all of our customers are going to reopen their doors. And an extension of that is we don't know whether it's going to be second or third cycles or waves of this. And the second one is that we know that a return to business as usual is just not going to happen. And that's a false reality. So it forced us to build more around a focused business strategy and then really look at how we're going to resource that accordingly. I'm interested in kind of your mind shift from playing to win to playing to survive. And, and we'll get on to the kind of creative and, and the the positives that come out of this, but how did you shift from one to the other? Because it's a quite a profound change, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and, I, and I love that, like that mindset shift, you know, that kind of survivor's win mentality, as you, you put it, to plane to survive. You know, for us, we're, we're, we're coming into what's a, a U-shaped downturn and nobody can predict the scale or the length of this recession, what the extent of recovery could look like. So like capital is is going to be more difficult and costly to raise. And, and we're lucky that we've just gone through a recent round and we're in a fortunate position that we could act quickly to get ourselves on a path to give us more financial optionality. But you know, within that, the, the way we're, we're focusing on is, is just building a path for in all scenarios survival. And you're well aware like you know, that revenues will fall quicker than costs and cash. And, and we, we were quick to get in front of that. And we, we did implement those aggressive cost-cutting measures that, that I mentioned earlier. But from our perspective, you know, that competitive landscape is, is quite interesting and where we operate. It's made up of a lot of the older competitors that lack that agility really to adapt to the shifts that the industry is going through. And it also has these competitors that were innate, like at a much earlier stage or in a similar stage where they're in a position where they're finding it difficult to keep their head over water. So, you know, for us, we're in this nice position. We've leaned up our team, but we're still investing in, in our R&D. We're still investing in innovation and creativity and and we see this as an opportunity to actually create distance between us and our competitors by being more efficient and, you know, coming out of, like really accelerating out of the corner of this. So it is this opportunity in a crisis, but that shift in mindset to building a more efficient business, there's something good in that too. It feels quite good when you're looking at those efficiency metrics and, and even you uncover some of these, this spend where 
it was wasteful and needless. And, you know, it's definitely building us for, for a healthier long-term trajectory, I think. That's a great lead into kind of the next part, which is, of course, it's a possibly a U-shaped recovery, but there is a recovery in so much as a newfound kind of focus for the business and newfound focus on, on efficiency. But I was interested in how, if you can touch on that kind of, if you like, rebound process that you're going through at the moment mm. in terms of how, how you're working with employees who are distributed and, and remote, how you're working with customers and how you see the future for your products because I'm sure you're focusing on that. And there's a lot of innovation going on that right now, isn't there? Yeah, there are, yeah. And it's really those two buckets are, are, are very important, the customers and team bit, you know, from us, from a, from a company perspective. Like we, we serve thousands of SMBs in, in over 60 countries and they're going through a really tough time at the moment. And for us, where we've positioned ourselves is, you know, and we've taken the focus is on helping them navigate the pandemic. So the practical things that we did were we allocated a ton of our content resources to develop dedicated COVID-19 knowledge-based run webinars and everything to adjust their, their financials, um, to adjust their operations, to take advantage of local supports. Then, you know, the product perspective is, is where it's mo- most interesting, where we've accelerated our own product development and our roadmap in that shift to digital and there was two big aspects of that shift to digital that we focused on. The first was the ability to allow our customers to seamlessly deliver live classes via our platform. And the second was to allow them to offer on-demand content, primarily video, you know, where they're able to segment by various membership types and enable them to earn money while their doors were closed. And, and it also helped them to accelerate their own transition into the digital environment, which is going to be you know, a core factor for their future success post-COVID. Then additional to that, then we also did more, more, I suppose, insightful things where we pulled reports across what we're seeing benchmarking across different countries and started delivering a report to all of our customers every week on these trends and how they benchmarked against these trends. We did discounts on software and free periods for, to ensure that they could keep their business open and they didn't have to cancel the software from, from which they were getting benefit for in, in this time that they were in lockdown. And then we even gave our, our lower end customers our premium features for free for periods of time to help them market to their members and ensure they were optimizing their membership retention. And then from the team perspective, like it was very much around over communicating with the team was so important. So, you know, we shifted our cadence and comms. We do all hands twice a week. We've started implementing more sophisticated remote working practices. We had a couple of functions that were already distributed and remote, but it, so it wasn't too much of a leap for us to go remote, go fully remote, but we have matured our remote practices from you know, even small things around how we run meetings and having the social aspects to, to the team as well ongoing. And we do joint workouts, we do ad hoc coffee meetups, and it's created more psychological safety with the team as well too and a more sense of unity at a time where you know there's a lot going on and so we've got a really positive response from that and it's been actually measurable we've seen our our employee MPS is at an all-time high in spite of going through pay cuts and layoffs of their peers so it's 
that was probably a testament to, to the reaction of the team in particular with how, how they kind of stood up and, and rose to the challenge. Um, so it's exciting in, in that regard, but obviously it's something that we're, we're staying very, very close to. And I, I think the key theme for us is over-communicating with our customers and staying very close to what's happening and over-communicating with our team. Yeah, I mean, I love the way you guys have responded with capabilities to support your customers and, and help them to maintain their revenue streams. I think that's been really impressive. And you, you did that so quickly which is testament to the wider team you've got there. What strikes me most about, just about um, why humans as a whole are highly resilient and adaptable. That's why we've, we've survived and evolved. But tech founders in particular are incredibly resilient and adaptable. So maybe we can start to touch a little bit in terms of how you imagine the future of the business. And I know it's really hard to do, but how do you see the next kind of, let's say six to 12 months playing out for Glowfox. What do you anticipate how you'll be working and the kind of products you'll be rolling out and how you'll be supporting your customers? Yeah, so it's obviously tough for, for any business to predict how long this is going to go on. And we're starting to see green shoots though in terms of markets reopening based on the data that we have. And the way that we've kind of structured our, our plans um, for businesses, we've sat and we've been very practical about what a positive scenario, what a, what a base case and what a doomsday scenario would look like. And we have various, I suppose, decision criteria, various points over the next you know, six to 12 months to help us determine what we might have to do if, if we had to activate a, a doomsday scenario as a plan, for example. And while that, that is a, a very negative one, it still gives us a lot of comfort to know that in all scenarios that we can sustain as a business and be resilient and withstand this. You know, the business itself has focused a lot more attention on efficiency and efficiency metrics. So for us at the moment, we're very reliably focused on revenue efficiency, on R&D efficiency. We're constantly looking at our normalized cash burn and our base burn and we see a path for us to have a healthy profitable business and not be reliant on capital markets to come back anytime soon so you know for us it does give us comfort from from the business side that we have really leaned up our business and we can accelerate out of this and then from the the market side it's extremely interesting there's a lot of opportunities and we're ideally placed to take advantage of those we're spending ton of time out in the market understanding the dynamics the behaviors of what our customers are seeing and dealing with and i don't think that covid didn't really invent any new behaviors as much as it accelerated these existing trends so you know it's catapulted these bricks and mortar businesses into the future and they are looking for direction and they're looking for a path and i I think it's a really important role that, that we're starting to play is that that advisor on how to sustain a lot of these new competitive threats that just weren't there or to the extent that they are now. So from that side of the, the business, it is uh, very, very interesting. And as I mentioned, we're, we're starting to develop these digital solutions, but there's also considerations with around how these businesses are reopening up currently that we're supporting with in terms of capacity management, in terms of touchless check-ins and in terms of social distancing as well. So there's a lot of considerations on that. And then, you know, internally as a team too, we're trying to balance that in, in with, our, with our resources to make sure that we are making the right bets and not just to serve today, but to serve into the future and post-COVID. Yeah, you make a couple of really, really important points there. I think the fundamental resilience of the business, that you can build a a future that isn't necessarily dependent on repeat fundraising, gives you a lot of control 
and you know resilience to your business that's incredibly important but i think the other is that's interesting is that it's not necessarily that this is huge change but it is a rapid acceleration and it's interesting while well, just bringing up your homepage, and this is quite fundamentally different from how it was about three or four weeks ago it says go virtual build a fitness business for the digital age and i wonder how you see the fitness industry playing out do you think this change will continue no matter what happens in the next six to 12 months do you think this is actually ushering in a new era of fitness industries and businesses around the world yeah you raise a very good point Stephen. it's one that's been widely debated in our industry on a daily basis you know there are businesses and gyms out there that are never going back they're going to continue to run virtual classes and they've seen the light and then there's others that just can't wait to cancel their zoom account and just open <laughs> doors and just you know be back in the, the business so there is two sides of it but i think the overall shift is more of the shift towards the, the customer and the consumer and it being more on their terms whereas pre-covid it still was the four walls of the fitness business and the fitness business really called the shots and and now it seems like you know this omni-channel fitness will become a thing you know building a, a digital offering on top of physical locations makes sense but then practically pulling it off is, is a lot tougher and it's very tough for the, the smaller businesses and that's a role that we see ourselves being, being pivotal to it's not necessarily saying that that every fitness business in the world is going to run a combination of virtual classes and, and on-site classes and there'll be a hybrid model but I think what will sustain is that we'll need to be able to provide consumers with more variety because they demand it and it'll be more on their, their terms. And then there's a lot of interesting things that are happening generally in the industry too, around instructors and trainers being able to unbundle from gyms and studios themselves and instructors will be able to monetize their own audience. So there's a, a lot of interesting things happening in the industry that, that are competitive threats and, and also opportunities for these businesses. So it's probably broadening their horizon of additional revenue streams, additional services, and being able to just accelerate towards that, that digital aspect. So how do you feel now? I actually feel very excited. You know, it obviously does not feel good to be sitting here where pretty much all of your customers have their doors closed and your revenue is, is going backwards. But I think you know, where the industry has changed to and where we're positioned is quite exciting. We're definitely nicely placed to propel ourselves into a position of a of market leader here you know, coming out of this. And for me, for how I've seen the team react and how our customers have reacted to a lot of what we've done, it's bringing a lot of pride and a lot of motivation for the next road ahead, which is, you know, which is very uncertain and it's undetermined as to what, what it'll be. But I think we're in a good position to come out of this and to be blazing the trail for 2021 and beyond and for the fitness industry. I'm delighted to hear that kind of enthusiasm is there and I'm sure that's going to be very common across the conversations we have. Connor, that's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being so open and honest and you know I'm I'm incredibly impressed by what you and your your team have achieved. So thank oh, you yeah. very much. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks Stephen. Thanks Paul. I really enjoyed it.